Hi, my name is Joe Jackson. And between the years 1990 and 2000, I did hundreds of interviews with musicians for the Irish Times in a slot that was originally called the Joe Jackson Interview. When Paddy Woodworth, the newspaper's arts editor, launched its now legendary sound and vision double-page spread. The name above the title idea was his. And I once said to Paddy, why me, Lord? I was joking, though editors do like to be addressed that way. Paddy explained that he chose me primarily because we both believe that the arts should be central to political debate rather than relegated to the sidelines and that as such, popular music, as an outgrowth of popular culture, could and should be explored from a socio-political perspective. And we agreed that space should not be given to musicians whose primary aim was to sell, say, a gig or a CD, though that is too often the norm in newspapers and magazines. They had to have a good and maybe even illuminating story to tell. Either way, that slot, which if only because it was a three-quarter page spread in the Irish Times, became much sought after, and it could help sell out a gig, or so Tony Bennett once told me. And that to me was the added bonus, especially as someone who became an interviewer to meet my music heroes. I now had access to virtually any musician I wanted to interview, including longtime heroes such as Bennett, Ray Charles, and Joni Mitchell. And even if all I got was a phone interview, something I usually rejected because it didn't lend itself to in depth discussion, I was happy to say, You bet. What follows is one of my Irish Times interviews. Enjoy. Larry Mullen, yeah. <laughs> Why is that coming back at you? No, no, not at all. I met Larry recently, actually. Oh, was he? Did, what did he say? Um, Thank you for the compliment. Oh no, he he's he was really shy. He didn't he didn't seem to want to talk much, you know. All right, he is. He's, he's, very he's shy. the quietest one of the entire. But I I like shy boys, so. So that made you. Even I just more. love him more, yeah. <laughs> that bloody... I'll stay home with him any night. <laughs> that, that quote was winged around be boring, the world. So we could be boring together. <laughs> I know, because when I went to see you two, was it last year? I went to see them this year, but the year before. Right. And um, Bono knew that I was there, and he, at the, at the beginning of um, that song, he said, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, Larry Mullen Jr. He said that, yeah, did he? it's really sweet. <laughs> it's like an acknowledgement. Very good. Well, it was used everywhere. Well, know? I went to, uh, I went back uh, stage. Uh, I was back at this, uh, this little party in London, and I went backstage, and, uh, and Larry was there, and... Uh, he he, uh, he wasn't going to speak to me, so I, I made a point of just introducing myself. Did you kiss him? No, no. <laughs> Even on the cheek? No. Oh, I, right. I don't think I'd have got that close. <laughs> I mean, he was definitely there was definitely a big barrier. Yeah. He was he was like a bit terrified. <laughs> I think he's but he's like that of a lot of people, irrespective of their. Uh, there was something in his eyes. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know something gorgeous. <laughs> oh, get out of here! All right. <laughs> Okay, so the difference this time is uh, I'm now working for a very respectable newspaper called the Irish okay. Times, okay. and it's uh, but I, I, uh, there will be very slight overlap. But I think I think this is kind of uh, it'll be two thirds of a page next in the early next week, and it's a serious arts uh, area. Whereas I think we can really kind of shake things up a little with this readership. You know what I mean? So I'm going to go light, and I'm going to go from private life to music to, to show and okay. to whatever it is. So, yeah. So there's a kind of logic to this. The first thing I have to pick you up on is the. Uh, I feel that my passion has more to do with the Irish passion than it ever has to do with England, which mm. is in the press release. Mm. This is a tongue-in-cheek question, George. Well, I didn't, I didn't put that. I, didn't, I don't remember telling him to put that in there, but I think it may be from an interview. 
But do you, is it true? No, no, well, no, let talking, me put a, a tone. I was just talking about when I was a kid, you know, what I, I was talking about when I was a kid, I was very conscious of the Irish connection, you know, right, and right. I always thought of Irish people as being quite passionate and rebellious. So as That's a kid, I always told everyone I was Irish. Right. And right. Um, as I got older, everybody reminded me that I was actually born in, in London. But right. uh, I've always felt, you know, that certainly the, the some of the passion anyway comes from here. Well, you see, now what I'm going to say to you is totally tongue in cheek, but you can't mean your core passion because you are a pervert, <laughs> you're a homo and you're a fag. <laughs> My okay, now I'm, your core passion. Not that passion is Irish, because we don't have that kind of people here. That's what you think. No. <laughs> and they're all in London. Yeah. <laughs> so your core passion is also, is that because your boyfriend is Irish? Michael is um, Irish. Michael's Irish, yeah. And I, I've, I've always kind of, I love the Irish accents. Right, right. You know, I just, I, I, I something very um, innocent and, and quite sexy about Irish voices. How about those words I just threw at you? Are they still insulting, offensive, or are they just now labels? Because we now even see analysis of queer movies and it doesn't seem to be a loaded phrase anymore. Well, or do you still it, think it is? I think that uh, they're just words, you know. Right, And right. I think it really depends on... Context. ...the energy right. of, of how you're using those words. Right, right. Um, you know, it's the big argument, isn't it? It's like if a rap group uses the word nigger. Right. That's one thing, but if a Nazi uses it, it right. has a different context. Right, right. Um, I mean, you know, sure. gay people call themselves fags and queers and dykes, whatever. Yeah, depends and, on the context. Um, you know, it really depends on, on, on why you're saying it and what you're really saying. Right. Well, that's but what I, I had to say tongue in cheek. Yeah, I think, I make, think you, know, you know, I don't, I, you know, if somebody um, was to call me that in the street, right. that would be another thing. Which they must <laughs> surely have often done. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But not anymore. But very often, they're, they're, you know, they're very quick to detract it if you if you go up to them. I mean, we, right. you know, right. it happens a lot, but it doesn't happen that much to me. Right. Because it's kind of obvious. Sure. Me. Like, tell me something I don't know. Tell me what... <laughs> yeah. Lose 10 points and spend a week in jail, you know. You've got a, what, the crying game, this connection. I mean, did that tell you anything about the sexuality of Irish men? Maybe Jordan? You know, he explores his own sexuality in, in various ways. Did you... As he said that... Yeah, yeah. I I interviewed him before the movie, and he said he wanted to go down various areas of sexuality. I think that. that um, Don't tell me you fancy Neil. No, no, no. I, I just think the whole. I think sexuality, say, is always open to debate. Right. You know, I mean, we become attached to our sexualities in the same way we become attached to to our cultures or whatever, to right. our color. Right. You know, it's right. it's it's just another attachment. You know, I think that homosexual. Um, fantasies are legitimate for everybody okay. in the same way that heterosexual fantasies are legitimate for, for gay people. Right, you right, know? right. And I think that's why a lot of men fear homosexuals because it is a legitimate fantasy. Right. Whether it's something they, you know, um, you know, would like or not is besides the point. But that movie was about an Irish man who thought he was attracted to a woman, found she was a man and found it incredibly hard to deal with. You see, love is love, and that's what the movie was saying. Right. Love is love. Right. And that is what I think... Irrespective of and gender. That is, and that it was, for me, was the essential message of that film, and that's why I loved that film. Right, right. You know, right. because it was, it was saying, you know, you can fall in love with anyone. You know, it isn't necessarily the sexuality of the sure, person you fall sure. in love with. I mean, we are, you know, most of our body is energy. Right. Electricity right. and water, you know. Right, right. <laughs> so, um... I think, I don't know really, I think 
I've realized more and more over the years that uh, as much as I might be attracted to the physical body, um, there are patterns in all the people right. that I meet. There are patterns and similarities in each person. Of personality it, rather personality, than body. Personality, right. um, you know, everything. Right, right. Issues right. within the relationship, you know. And the body's just viewed as part of this Absolutely, larger... Absolutely, you know, but I, I think, you know, it's, it's uh, very often I, I recognise that, you know, you may look at somebody and you may be turned on by them physically, but there's this other person waving from behind the eyes. <laughs> oh, you told me that the last time. Yeah, I know. I'll be faithful every way but mentally, other than mentally. No, I don't mean that. I mean that, you All know, right. it's like, you know, that twinkle in the eye is often, you know, the screwed up part of the personality. All right, right, like, right. <laughs> you, everything you, is not what it seems. You've become, uh, your, your, your penis has become the centre of attention this week again. <laughs> What is Was this? It ever before? Well, yeah, but last time we talked to you, I got the feeling. Now I know we went as close to the line as you and I could in the discussion, but you seem to be playing more the bisexual card. Was I? Yeah, it seemed to be more like I have had relationships with both. I'm well, equally attracted. That was this I was have, seven no, years ago. No, I haven't ago. had. I haven't had um, relationships with women. I've had, you know, liaisons with girls, right, right. particularly during the drugs period. Sure. Um, and, it, it, and I had stuff at school, but right. you know my experiences as far as relationships concerned have been with men. But you said you never penetrated a woman. You no, I haven't. This week, I haven't. And if, if the child is yours, it's a miracle. Yeah, it's true. Nice I plug for I the song. I haven't. Well, I haven't penetrated a woman, <laughs> right. and, and right. you know, and I haven't. You know, the, all the women that I have, all I say all, it's, it sounds like I'm exaggerating, and I am. You know, right. the two or three that I've okay. had any kind of dealings with, you know, I'm I still I'm still friendly with, and you know, as far as I know, there's no lumps. Right, but someone did suggest that maybe during your drugs period you might have done it and not know. Is that oh, I, conceiv I, no, I, I know conceivable? Is not the right word. No, I, know, I know what I did. Right, right, right. So that's out the window. That that yeah, whole story. It's, yeah, it's not. It's not true. You dealt with it very well. I thought that was very, very. Well, you know, you know just, humorously. I thought it was funny. You know, right. it was so ridiculous. I right. just thought it was so ridiculous that it was funny and there wasn't any reason for me to get upset about it. It's another immaculate conception. Then. Yeah, and I just felt sorry for the woman. You know, I do right. feel sorry for her. Right. She's been writing to me for years, you know. All right. This isn't a new thing. I mean, this has been going on like at least five or six years. Right. So what are you going to do? Have the blood test? And, yeah, uh, I might do. I'm right. not. I'm not decided yet because I feel like it's a bit of a. Part of me feels like it's a real invasion of my civil liberties. Why okay. should I fucking give her blood? Right. Right. You know? Okay. Okay. But then part of me feels like if I do it, it will be over and done with. But you know, nothing's going to come of it. Whatever happens. Right. 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 Uh, you, what about the last time I talked to you? You gave me a witty answer, which was, "What can a man give you? A woman can't." You said six inches, only six. <laughs> but what about that's what? About average. <laughs> is that, that's your average, or it's about well, you average? Know, it's about average, isn't it? <laughs> well, what about what a woman can give you? You did say to me that you may end up being with a woman to have a child that you then desired quite yeah, deeply. Is that gone? Uh, that longing? Well, you know, it, it, it's something that I thought about, but you know, those modern marriages don't work, do they? Look at David and Angie. You know, right, right. Um, I don't really have any ego around fathering a child. Right. You know, I'd like to, um, I'd like to adopt kids, but right now I know that I'm much too selfish and much too irresponsible to have a child in my life. Right. Um, I know there's a lot of kind of hoo-ha about homosexuals adopting children, but I was brought up by straight people. Right. So right. Right. The two things don't really go together. Right. So it's not a deep human need to well, produce. Not really. I mean, I love kids. Right. I think, you know, I, I I really agree with that saying, mad mad people and children speak the truth. I think right. kids are, are fabulous. Sure, sure, and, um, sure. You know, I'd love to, you know, I, I don't know really. It's something that obviously oh. I, I thought about, but it's not something I think about a lot. 
Right, right. You know, I mean, kids are, are better when you can give them back. Could you actually, <laughs> when you can give them back, you know, like, and when yeah, they get troublesome? Well, you know, like, <laughs> it's crime, do you want to take it back? Could you, uh, I was reading Tennessee Williams' thing about his recent biography on him, and he said when he was drunk, he would want as much to fondle the ass of a woman, kiss her, caress her, and enter her as he would a boy, but found he couldn't on the couple of times he tried. Could you, to have um, a child? To have a child? Yeah, if you, want, if you really felt, I have to do this, I want to do this, or would that just not be of your nature? Well, I think that would be a very mercenary act. Okay. I mean, I think that um, in that respect, you know, you're using the woman as an object. Receptacle area. And I think that's a really horrible All concept, right. and All I right. think that it's something that I can do. Okay. I think, you know, um, you know, I'm not saying that sex always has to be about love, but um, I think it certainly makes a difference. But could you perform with a woman fully, or would you just not feel physically the desire to? Well... I, th I think I probably I probably would find it quite difficult. Right. Yeah. Right. Officer. Right. <laughs> I feel like I'm in court. <laughs> okay, let's go. Uh, I just was... think you know. Um, sure. Sure. I think on, on one level, I I real I recognise that, you know. I'm denying a part of myself. Right. You know. Um, but I also recognise that I've made the choice. Right. To be gay. I mean, I do believe that I chose to be gay. I don't think it's a genetic sure, fault. I don't sure. think I'm a broken toy. Sure. I, oh, yeah. I, I don't blame Mother Nature. I think it's a conscious decision. At 14? I, don't, I, think it, well, I think it happens before conception. All right, all right, right. You know, I think that um, a lot of stuff happens before conception. You also said, which <laughs> we, we really uh, upset a lot of men. You confused your readership. Yeah, no, you confused them before when you said most of the men I've gone to bed with are completely straight, which I thought was a wonderful definition of completely straight. But isn't this... this? Yeah, straight up, straight up the nearest man. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that, that element of most males maybe uh, quietly, and most of the readers of the Irish Times having some kind of homosexual experience that maybe they don't talk about. And then they, as you say, they fear the issue because they're afraid what it would reveal about themselves. I think that... Do you think that is the pattern that, that most so-called straight men experiment even once or twice? Or would want well, to? I don't know if most of them do. Right. Um, but you did say most of yours were straight, you said. Well, but, yeah, but I mean... Especially you said at the time when you were dressed like a woman or looking like a woman, it didn't become a subject to talk about. It's something I've talked a lot about in my book, you know. Oh, okay. um, I describe myself as a kind of um, homo wagon stop. You know, it was like, you know, um, all these kind of like, I would meet these boys and fall in love and it would be blissful for like a, a, a while and then and then the guilt would start to set in. Right. Um, Your guilt or their, no, their, their guilt? Their, their guilt. guilt. You know, their yeah. guilt. Yeah. And on top of that, I think I wanted a relationship so badly. I wanted it to work so badly that I pushed it away. You know, I wanted to be in love so badly. Right. And that's definitely been the stuff of my life. And it's been a pattern in my life that I want. I have this idea of, you know, the blissful, loving relationship, you know, you know, everything working to perfection. To perfection. Yeah. And, yeah. and of course, I think part of the problem has been that I've wanted it so badly that I've Pushed, pushed out the chances away. of having it. I've pushed it away. Yeah, yeah, you know, because yeah. love has to be given freely. Right. You can't yeah. demand love. Did you fall though for straight men? Did I see you say that uh, Michael is the first man to you fell for who yeah. says I do not fancy women? Yeah, Michael. Like gay. he categorically well, states. Well, Michael's gay. You know, he he, he says he's gay. Um, I mean, I think what it is. I think. I mean, 
when I look back, like in Culture Club, you know, with, you know, and, and even still now, you know, um, when I dress up, I mean, I love to dress up. I love to transform myself. Right. And there's, you know, I recognize that it's like, there's this these two sides to my personality. There's a part of me that really wants to just be, you know, ordinary and sure. fit in and not be bothered. And then there's the other part of me that, that after like a little while of that, would get really frustrated and find it very, you know, funny. Hello? Arlene, can I call you back from just being an interview? Where will you be at home? Or 262, 262? Yeah, thanks, bye. Well, that was George and Georgina, as we discussed them before. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, you see, I've, you know, it, it, at the height of my success in Culture Club, I couldn't really recognize, I couldn't, re I didn't realize what it was that I found uncomfortable. Right. You know, hence all the tantrums and, you know, and not handling being famous right. on some levels. Right. But uh, now I realize. Now I recognise that there are two sides to my personality. Right. You know, and ha um, going back to going back to the. Well, game, have you sorry? You did say. Have you also analysed that? That's why maybe you went so deeply into drink or drugs. You said to me at the time. Maybe but it's going to take. Wanna, I just want to make right. this point because we took, what I was going to say is that, you know, there was I, you know, like, freakier than freaky, and yet the men that I was going out with, John right. or whoever, right. were you know, you know, your very typical stable, you know jeans and t-shirts type right, of men right right and you know certainly they're the type of men that i'm really attracted to you know you know really sort of sort of the earth types. so it's just like so the two men could make the two sides of your own nature is that what you, no, see, think you know it, what i mean no, i think i think that those people those kind of men represent stability right stability stability they didn't really though john security didn't. well no, of course they don't but, right. but they you have right. an idea in your mind you know um right. i suppose it's to do with mum and dad Right. You know, oh, right. They set a pattern that you well, yeah. somehow. Right. Right. I think. I think. I mean, you know. I think all of us measure our relationships on our parents, sure, even if sure. it's up, up, unconscious. And did you? You said to me that time that you, it would take a lot more analysis to try and find out why you went so deeply into drugs. Was it part of that struggle between the two sides of your I nature? I think that or? you know. I think that um, there's a lot of stuff in all of our lives that we want to run away from. Whether you're drinking okay. alcohol or smoking cigarettes, you know. I think of those things as being occupational, the telephone, the TV, work, career, sex, love, food, drink, mm -hmm. cigarettes. They're occupational and they keep you away from your feelings. I mean, right. I think essentially all, right. all these things are about escape. And that's what you're doing, And right? there's a lot of stuff out there to escape from. Or you're running for your feelings, your, your central core feelings? I think that... Um, like numb yourself? Yeah, I think that I think that, that 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 all these things do serve as you know, like an anaesthetic. You know, they right, they help right, you right. To, to. Have you overcome all that? Have there been any have moments of weakness, it? wanting to go back? Um, I haven't. I'm probably more anti-drugs now than I've right. ever been in my entire life. Right, right. Um, anti in the sense that I don't want them in my life. Not anti in the sense that I go around preaching to people okay, or telling okay. other people what to do. Right. But uh, you know, I'm more aware of of. Like, for instance, like last week when River Phoenix died, it right. really broke my heart. I mean, right. it really hit me like a bombshell. Sure. And it was like, sure. I think I realise now that I'm, how lucky I am. But you lost, you, lo you lost other friends. You lost friends along the way from yeah. drug addiction. Yeah. Whatever happened to the Michael Radetzky case, which we couldn't talk about? You well, were we, being sued for murder. Well, yeah, that was dropped. Was it all dropped? It was dropped. I mean, right. you know, there wasn't a case. Right, right. And it was really pretty much um, an American lawyer took you know, that angle on it well you know in america the way they work is well here's someone who's famous he's got money 
Right. We might, we, you know. But that was savage, know. savage stuff. You were being accused of injecting. Him, oh yeah, but it was you? all crap. Right. Was all crap. So it was all thrown out. Yeah, it was all thrown out. I mean, it's you know, and you know, it's like what I'm very conscious of is that I don't want to hurt Michael's parents. Right. As much sure, as they may sure, hate me, sure, sure, yeah, as much yeah, they hate me, yeah. There's right. there's nothing I can say, good or bad, that isn't going to affect them in some way. And so I'm very conscious of not talking about it. And right. in America, I said the same thing. I said I really do not want to add to their grief. All right. You right. know, as much I don't take responsibility for Michael's death, but I feel responsible to them, and I don't wish to hurt them. You know. Sure, sure. You know what I do say about it is that I was denied my grief. Yeah, you said that to me before. You know, and yeah, and yeah. that was really yeah. sad. Sure, sure. Um, well, tell me your music. You talked about Culture Club. The music. When I listen to the hits album, all your your music is essentially celebratory. You know, you there were these tensions in your life, but the music, like it's a miracle. All that stuff is very up. And well, you see, the thing is, there's two sides to it. The music is up, but the lyrics are very melancholy. Right, right, yeah. You know, it's yeah. Like, so, right, um, fair enough, yeah. It's yeah. A, I mean, It's a Miracle was originally called It's America. All right. And I wrote that, you know, the first time I went to New York. And All I right. don't know why we ever changed it. But I, I guess the two things are kind of, it's a miracle in America. You know, it's, right, right, it's the miracle. Right, right. <laughs> what about, we did talk, uh, rock, rock is kind of seen as a liberating force sexually, but there are many people arguing that it actually reinforces stereotypes, that so-called womenly men are I people who... I think it who depends are, who, do, who does it. But then people like someone like Cliff Richard has been marginalized for forever because he was suspected of being gay. And the mm. so-called pop is for wimps, whereas real rock is for men. I mean, that's all reinforcing. And you, I mean, have been described by many as someone who is a sexual threat because you threw all those rules up in the air. Do you yeah, ever feel I mean, that? I mean, I wanted to be a sexual threat. But somehow or other, <laughs> I got spaded along the way. I don't yeah, but isn't that, but it, but no, but isn't that an element? I mean, rock is. I was over at the Grammys and I met little Richard, who was really uh, angry at the fact that he wasn't allowed to speak. Come in. He wasn't allowed to speak, receiving his award he because he saw it as homophobic. She loves, <laughs> loves to speak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was tea or coffee. You said not for me. I'll have coffee. It's good. Brought up both she was. All right. Do you want? Do you have tea? I'm all right. I've got chamomile tea, so I'm fine. You're okay. Yeah, you can just. Yeah, But how strong a factor do you think that is in rock? That, that there are gender definitions uh, that think, people... I think, I think rock, right, like religion, is a boys' club, you know. Well, yeah. Um, I think it's probably harder to be a dyke than it is to be a queen. Right. You know? In rock. In rock, in right. pop, in, any, right. in entertainment, right. you know. Um, and these definitions, rock, pop, soul, you know, it's like they're used, you know, it, it's kind of like a territorial mentality, you know. In the same way that people say, you know, people who use computers are not real musicians. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like there's all these kind of distinctions within the industry about what is real music and what is crap. Well, what is a real man and what is a real woman? Exactly. Um, but you had, since we talked, I mean, you... you but, you know, I mean, those bands, they, they're appealing to, to an audience who want their sexual identity reaffirmed in some way. Sure, sure. You know? I mean, you know, you, you pretty much, in, in rock and roll, you pretty much choose the band that, that suits you. You right, know, it's like, right. it, it, it is very territorial, you know, like, um, you got all these little white kids who want to be like from the, you know, they, they, they somehow recognize, they, they identify with the black experience of, of, of being outcast, of, of suffering, you know, right. and so they want to be down with that. So they, they become blacker than black. Right. Well, yeah. you see, this is where, I mean, one of the most subversive things you and I said the last time, and some male rock critics in Dublin got really angry at me over it, mm -hmm. for allowing you to say it. <laughs> was where you remember I brought up Julie Birchall's comment about uh, back catalogue should not be praised when backsides of the meat of the matter. She was talking about Lennon, mm. and I asked you if you thought that 
male hero worship is, is often a sublimation of homoerotic desires. And you said it strikes you as very feasible. And you then talked about staying yeah. Paul Weller and all and Morrissey, that people, males adoring this, but they will never face that question. And the fact that you and I said it made some leather jacketed rock critics here in Dublin very uncomfortable. I mean, I went to see Henry Rowling's a couple of weeks ago in New York. And, um, you know, I've always kind of, you know, I mean, he's, he's a beautiful specimen, right. you know. And I've always kind of like, you know, I've seen pictures of him and thinking, God, he, he's fantastic. I've got, what is he right. all about? Right. And I hated the music when I heard it on record. I went to see him play and it was so, it really made sense. Right. And it's not just the music, it's the whole physical experience of watching this guy, you know, all the pent up emotion in this person. Right. And I was thinking, you know, a, a friend of mine has said to me, people who, who bodybuild are the most likely to be homosexual right. because they're worshiping the male form. Right. They're actually in love right. with themselves. Sure, sure. So, so you know, they're actually, you know, they're in, you know, and you see the audience at Henry Rollins, they're all like tattooed right. and, right. and muscly. Right, right. And, um, so you think the same applies then to all the, I mean, Morrissey has a predominantly male audience, but those males don't, maybe don't face those questions about themselves. What are they loving? Why are they running to him with flowers? I think that they, I think that, you know, a lot of men, are very uncomfortable with the masculine stereotypes anyway. Okay. And so when someone like Morrissey comes along, who says it's okay to be a little bit fay, right? You know, then I suppose their hearts rejoice. You know. Well, as you say, there, whatever makes them feel more comfortable about. Well, you don't necessarily. You see, the thing is, you don't necessarily have I'm, to be homosexual. Right, you know. Right. I mean, that's just that's just again, it's just categorizing. You know. Right. right. Um. You know, you don't. You know, because you don't want to play football, that doesn't mean you're a queer. Right. But I did see uh, a, a Rolling Stone poll from 1988, which said that 75% of their readers found unacceptable homosexuality in workmates at any level. So, so to me, that suggests the really well, core homophobia in rock and roll. I think that um, I think I don't think it's just in rock and roll. I think it's, it's just in life. Right, you know, right. I think people, you know, it's like the, the fear really comes from the fact that these feelings are legitimate, these fantasies, all these feelings, right. whether whether they're, you know, feelings of joy that are suppressed or feelings of fear, right? You know, they're it's legitimate. about the same thing. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. whenever you're angry at somebody else, you know, it's really important to look at why, what, what are they, what they are mirroring in you. Right. You didn't go along with that. You were telling me last time you had lustful fantasies about Presley. Since we talked, there have been stories that he had a lifelong gay affair. What do you think about that? You did a wonderful version of Are You Lonesome Tonight on that trip. It's easy. To, I mean, it's easy to talk about that when someone's dead, sure, isn't it? Sure, sure. But I mean, you know, I mean, Elvis is the finest example of, of you know, um, you know, a, a beautiful man that appealed to everyone. But not everybody accepts that he was androgynous, that he had the two-dimensional appeal to men and women because they didn't talk about male stars that way then. It's only now you're beginning to see essays which say... But I don't think you have to be androgynous to appeal to other men, right. you know, to heterosexual men. I mean, Henry Rollins isn't androgynous, right. but certainly it cannot, be, it cannot be questioned that those people in the audience are attracted to his right. physical... You know, you can't separate anything about Henry Rowling's. Right, I mean, to right. me, he's the finest example at this time. But how important is that? Like people like Bowie and uh, Mark Boland and that helped you same define thing. yourself. S same thing, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, in those days, you know, if you look back at the 60s and the 70s, the stars very much played, they played with the boundaries. Mm. Is he or isn't he? Mm. You know, and mm. that was kind of very nice. You know, if you look at look back at Mick Jagger and listen to his interviews, you know, you know, him wearing makeup, it was like, it was kind of okay to be... Maybe. To be maybe. <laughs> right. 
Right. Whereas now, I suppose, with AIDS... But is that the factor? Because you now have those people like Lou Reed or whoever disclaiming their earlier claims to be bi or homo and now saying, I'm a former homosexual. I think, I think the gay issue has become very political. Right. And that has terrified people. The AIDS element. Just the... The, the politicisation. The, the politi- yeah, the, the, the politicisation has, has terrified people because right. They're, right. they're having to take it serious. Seriously. Well, did you? Why isn't uh, "Stop Cross My Dead" on the Hits album? And was it dropped from a, uh, an American release? So I saw that in a book no, called "Purple think, Closet" or whatever it was, it was. To say that Virgin wants you uh, just had it dropped from the album. And why isn't it on the Hits LP? Uh, it's not on the Hits LP. There's loads of stuff that's not on the Hits LP. Okay, you know, but there wasn't. A, this isn't one of those political decisions no, you're talking no, no, about. No, no, no. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm more pro-gay than I've ever been. Right, right. I'm, I'm right. more pro-gay now than I was two years ago or ten years ago. Do you, do you, I talked to Sammy Wilson of the, the uh, DUP and, and politicisation of this whole issue. You know, he's the, like the Ulster uh, yeah. unionist, and he said that he wouldn't back the battle of homosexuals in Northern Ireland to have the laws changed as they are, have been in the South, mm. because he said we must protect our children. Mm. Do you think that's reflective of a conservative view in but the government? But we British? mustn't protect them, protect them from political terror and bombing and, and, and ignorance. You know, it's like I know. We can protect them from, we, we won't protect them from all other forms of ignorance. But is that, a, <laughs> is, is that a view that's representative of the British establishment, conservative thinking on the same issue too, despite the element of homosexuality in the House or whatever? I think it's, it's, it's the view of the establishment in general, you know. Right. But has it more got to do with, again, the fear of, the fear of AIDS, the fear of the unknown? I guess the issue of AIDS doesn't make it any easier. Right, right. But um, I think the general attitude of the public is like, you know, be gay, but shut up about okay. it. You know, don't just frighten, keep it don't quiet. Don't frighten the horses. Don't frighten the horses, yeah, and Still. all the children. That was 100 years ago. And, and that is pretty much how it is, right. you know, because right. by accepting it, I think you have to deal with all your own fears about it. Right, right. Because, right. you know, I think we, we are all, in our own way, very attached to our sexuality. To Do being you, male or female, to being gay or straight, black or white, you know, Jew or Gentile. That's We're how we all define attached ourselves. to it. Absolutely. You know, yeah. we, you know, I mean, and I think, I don't know really, I mean, you see, part of me, you know, this is the funny thing, part of me is terrified by this drive, you know, for acceptance within the okay. gay community okay. because... In a way, aren't we saying, well, your values are better than ours? So if we can Please adopt, so if we right, can adopt right, your values, somehow right, we're going to be right, okay. Right, right, you right. Know, and there's nothing wrong with me at all. You're saying accept the differences. I mean, I think that, yeah, I think yeah, you should. Yeah, and I think yeah. this, is, this is something that's important all over the world, sure, you know, whether it's sure. racial or sexual or right, whatever. Right. Do you think within, what, what was your response to the stories about Jackson, which seemed to have fed into the fear that, you know, molesting 10-year-old boys, I mean, that this now is fed right into the myth of... Well, I wonder what, what the reaction would have been if it had been me. Right. You know, um, I was in New York a couple of days after the story broke and they were having Jackson Day on MTV. Right, right. You know, I mean, when I had my drugs problems, they took me out of a matter yeah. of two swords. Oh, I know. You know, that's right, that's <laughs> nobody right. wanted to play my records. Do you think that's? Good? And I think that you know, um, I, you know, part of me felt very sorry for Michael Jackson because I don't think there can be anything worse than being accused of being a child molester. Right. You know, right. it's one of the biggest taboos in our right. society, yeah. Yeah. and I think the important thing is that we're being forced to acknowledge this problem. Okay. You know, because it's been going on for centuries. 
It's not right. a new problem. Sure, sure. You know, it's been going on for, for time. And it's really important to acknowledge it because by, by ignoring it, you're denying that it exists right, and right. kids are being hurt. Right. But doesn't it feed into the perception that all gays are potential child molesters? And Michael Jackson's straight, isn't he? I don't think so. I mean, this is off the record, but I don't think well, so. Well, apparently he I is. Mean, so. Is he? Well, yeah. Right, okay. Listen, more straight people molest and rape. That's true. That's, that's absolutely gays. true. That's I true. mean, historically, right. uh, you know, right. the statistics are very balanced in our favour, you know. Sure, sure. Um, and I hope it stays like that. Right. Okay, just the last couple of questions. Uh, I know. <laughs> no, it's just, it's a pretty serious thought I get. No, I'm glad we're talking about issues yeah, no, that, are, that are so central. The, uh, the, you know, the kind of the church attitude, particularly here in Ireland, has troubled a lot of uh, homosexuals, lesbians. Well, yeah. Has, do you think it has the kind of poison mind against homosexuals? Like we had the recent What I would say is that, you know, once upon a time, you know, women had to wear scarf, headscarves in church and they weren't allowed to speak in church. And the church has recognized after a very long time, right. <laughs> you know, maybe too late for some people that these kind of attitudes and these kind of ridiculous rituals are no longer appropriate in right. our society right. in the same way that you know it is no longer appropriate to stop women from being priests right i think the church if the church wants to rebuild itself then it's going to have to start accommodating homosexuals because there are a lot of homosexuals who want to be uh, who want to be involved with the church there are also a lot in the church there are also a lot in the church they have their own extra traumas because of absolutely, that absolutely absolutely and so i think that it's going to have to, if it really, I mean, the church is in a mess. Sure, sure. You know, there's no way the church can deny that. And if it really wants to rebuild itself, then it has to start practicing some of the compassion that it's been preaching for centuries. Are you aware, though, <laughs> of the recent encyclical which said it's almost, which has almost legitimized discrimination against gays in jobs like as teachers? Did you see that? I mean, no. this declaration from the Pope which says, yes, there are times where it's fair to discriminate. That's no move forward. That's a well, move backward. But, you know, you look at the Pope. I mean, the Pope is an old man, right. you know, and he's, you know, you know, you could have a similar conversation with your grandmother. Right. So you, know, you, you anticipate those kind of prejudices. Absolutely. The guy's right. an old man. Right. You know, right. it's like... But are there the kind of things you think the church should throw out before it's to move forward? That's well, kind of ridiculous. I think that it's, it's going to have to change its attitude if it ever wants to be the force that it once was. What about, you know, I'm talking about Catholicism here and mm. I'm not moving in, but the, the, the basic argument too about Catholicism, and I heard with Emma Donna, who was on the Late Late Show last night, a lesbian playwright, someone phoned in and said, what you're doing is against the laws of God and against the laws as stated by Genesis, which says it is this. Mm. How do you reconcile yourself with that and what do you say to that, the Bible's position against it? Well, I've read so many arguments for and against. I've read arguments from a theological from, from, base. Yeah, from a the, uh, from priests. You know, right. um, I think the Bible is very much open to interpretation. Do you? Right. Yes, I do. Right. And right. it is. It is. It's 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 constantly being interpreted in one way or another. But are most of the conservatives in the church will come down, and these people, the general perception is that the Bible says it's in, unnatural against the laws of God and man. Well, I think that uh, you have to look at the history and the time when when that was written sure, sure, sure. you know i right. i was i read something that said you know this applied to sodom and gomorrah you know it, it, it was right. it was really related to what was happening right at Damn. that period right well that's the period where it was legitimized to beat your wife to strap your wife a husband had the right according to the exactly. church to you know it, it, that's what i mean by it's right. open to interpretation right. i mean right. you know it's 
What what about what about Krishna? I don't know enough. I mean, I know. Well, Krishna in in Krishna consciousness, you know, uh, sex is is meant to be for procreation. Right. You know? Okay. And there isn't necessarily a discrimination against homosexuals. There is a discrimination against illicit sex. Okay. So it's not it's not that they're singling out homosexuals, right. but there is a lot of homophobia within 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 the movement. Right. And at the end of the day, you know. You make those, you know, it's about personal choice. Right. You know, a lot of my devoted friends, you know, they know I'm gay and Michael's been to, to um, Krishna festivals, you know, and they've always treated me with utter respect. Okay. And, um, and, and likewise, you know, it's really only an issue if you make it an issue. You being sure, anybody sure, else out there sure. in the world, you know. But you, can, you, you and I talked about how you told me last time you have a bedroom in which there are many religious icons. Mm. And for many readers, if, if I say this to, to an Irish Times readership, that you and Michael perform what they would regard as unnatural acts in mm. the presence of those icons is to them mm. the height of religious blasphemy. Well. You can see why they would see it that way, can't you? Well, I, I'm sure there are some people that would see it like that. But, um, but I, you, I, is it a moral? Was it ever a moral question that you yourself had to sit down, or you and Michael had to sit down and no, face? I think that um, I think that you know Jesus was was um, you know preaching compassion. All right. All you right. know, um, maybe Jesus didn't know any homosexuals. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Right. Right. Well, you're you. I mean, because I mean, Jesus loves you. If you look at if you look at the attitudes towards homosexuals now in this modern time. You can imagine what it was like then, right? Right. Um, so I shouldn't imagine. Um, you know, there, there were many around. Are you, at, <laughs> are you are you at peace then in your own perception of your own religious base? Well, you know, I. Or is it continually questioned? Oh, I think it's, it's totally continually questioned. You know, the Buddha said on his deathbed, "Don't ever accept anything." Okay. You know, blindly okay. Okay. question. And I think it's very important to be in a constant state of questioning. You right, know, right. and you know, I love Krishna. I love Jesus. Right, you know, I think right. I think the message of Jesus's message is totally sound. Right. The essential message is to live in harmony with your fellow man and to live in harmony with nature. You know, and I, Jesus administered to prostitutes and down and outs and outcasts. Right. You know. Can I have another four minutes? Yeah. Four, four, four more minutes. Right. And so I don't, you know, I that is really what Jesus loves you is about, yeah. But isn't that a kind of central thing for many Irish people who are afraid to come out, who will be in, who will be reading this article and say they can't reconcile that with their own Christian base, because the Catholicism here has such a strong. Well, they're not taking responsibility hold. for their lives, are they? You All know, right. and uh, whenever anybody says I can't come out of the closet because of my religious faith or because of my parents, what they're really saying is I'm ashamed of what I am. You really think that? Absolutely. But isn't it also fear? Isn't it also like jobs can be jeopardized, your public perception? Like you and I know there are people in the music industry on television. I believe, right, that the energy you put into fear okay. can, can equally be used in a positive way. But there, some are going to come back and say, I will lose my job as a male sex symbol in rock and roll, as a TV broadcaster, as a movie star, if it's not. But think about what they're sacrificing anyway. Which is what? You. Well, I mean, you know, it's very dark in the closet. Right. You know, it's very right. lonely. Right. You know, um, and, you know, imagine if I had to go around introducing Michael as my, my personal assistant. Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. Fuck yeah. that shit, man. Right, it's a Yeah, I have definitely, in the last 
five or six years, I have definitely sold less records. Yeah. Since I became pro-gay, there is no question I have definitely sold less records. But what I've benefited from that is too great. As a human being. As a human being, um, on every level. What I've but benefited it, from that is untold. But isn't it true that America's really scared of you now? Just doesn't know how to deal with that. Or I don't is know it? really. I don't know really because... Like the southern know, states of America with you being... I really... Maybe I I'm wrong. Know. I don't know. I just... Okay. I think that those people, you know, who, uh, you know... I mean, I think it's always been very clear cut with me, you know, right, right. because of the way I looked in Culture Club, even when I wasn't being political or pro-gay, people looked at me and they decided very quickly whether they liked me or not. Right, you know, right, I don't right. like him. Do you... And so, you know, I, I don't think I, I don't think I'm going to convert people. Right, right. <laughs> you know? do, you think, do you think the uh, the law, you obviously believe the law should be changed in England as it has been yeah, in Ireland? Yeah, I was at the Stonewall rally. I totally believe it yeah. should, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why is it any different? Right. It's okay for a boy to drink, you know, you know, drink alcohol and get in a car and kill someone at 16. Why can't he make love with another man? If there was somebody reading this who was about one moment away from believing totally what you've just said about mm. coming out of the closet will take the loneliness away, make it easier to live with myself, mm. what could you say to them to push them that little bit further? I just believe that um, at the end of the day, the only person you have, you know, you, 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 know, you have to be, um, it's like your, your honesty. Right. That's the only thing you have a responsibility to your honesty right now you know if I, i'm not saying that people should or have to come out of the closet right i'm just saying that my experience of people who are in the closet is that they, they live on tenterhooks sure yeah. they're walking on yeah. eggs all the fucking time and they're never really able to relax right and that is not a life sure it's not so yeah. you know yeah. there's there's a saying by nietzsche where he says um like Something, it's some, I don't know if you can find it, it's like okay. to redeem those that lived in the past and something, something, thus I will do. Basically to accept the responsibility for your life. That alone is redemption. Right, right, right. And certainly my understanding is that, you know, when you're honest to yourself, you're the closest to God. Okay. When you die, do you still want to come back as Matt Dillon's underwear? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> did you say that? I did say that, yeah. <laughs> great lines. <laughs> no, they're great lines. You know how to deal with it. Hi, Joe Jackson here again. And if you want to read the article that came out of that chat you just heard, check my website, joejacksoninterviewer.com. Also, if you'd like to be notified of shows that focus on hundreds more interviews like the one you just heard, why not subscribe to the Joe Jackson Interviews podcast? Either way, thank you for listening.